Well, good morning. morning. It is so good to be with you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. That video gets me excited about road trips. How about you? They can be so much fun. But uh, before we get to that, I just wanted to say welcome once again, especially for those that may be tuning in or joining us in person for the first time today. I want to say two things to you. One is thank you. Thank you for taking a risk and joining with us. And the second is that you're always welcome here at The Way, where we're committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Amen. Amen. Well, as you've seen uh, on this video is alluding to a new series and and I think it's rather appropriate because the last two weeks, if any of y'all have been on social media, it has been filled with trips to the beach or to the mountains or to the nail salon or wherever you have gone. Uh, those that have had kids or grandkids know there's been fall break, Cherokee County two weeks ago, Cobb County this past week. And um, some of us have traveled. Some people have accused me of being on vacation. I did enjoy the beach this past week, um, but I did go to a conference actually in Vegas the week before. So I have been in and out a lot. And um, let me tell you, trips, they can be exhilarating. Yes. And they can be exhausting, too. And if you've ever had a kid in the back seat, you saw it on the screen there. I mean, what is the question that always comes up in the middle of the, of the trip? Are we are we there yet? Right. And, and the better question is, especially for those of us, um, is, is how do we know when we're there? How do we know when we've arrived there? And, and just like with a family trip, as you saw in the video too, it alluded to the fact, we're on a journey, aren't we? We as a, a community of faith are on a journey. God has done an amazing thing in bringing this community together. Thinking back to, to late fall of 2019 and, and early of 2020, even before the pandemic, God was imparting a vision, a direction that he was leading this community called the way Woodstock toward. And, and, and we've come to embrace it in this way. This is our mission statement, our vision that God's given for us. Because, you know, the, the mission of the church is what? Matthew 28. Go and make what? Disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have taught you. So how do we uniquely live that out? How does God impart that vision of how we live the Great Commission out? What's this? It's on the screen. It says, The way Woodstock exists to glorify God and make disciples of Jesus Christ by sharing the hope-filled life in Christ with others so that we all discover and live into our God-given purpose. And just like any other trip, we might be asking ourselves, are we there yet? Are we there yet, church? Are you there yet, individuals and families? And better yet, as I alluded to earlier, how will we know when we get there? Well, what you might not know is if you're on the church app today, if you've got the church app and you pull it up and you hit the connect button, or if you're online and you click the connect button there, or those of you that walked in the door, do you have one of these that was handed to you? If you look on the back and you look to the right, there's actually four questions. These are reference questions that we have that help gauge where we are and how we're doing in terms of going and living in toward that vision. And I just want to read these out to us today. The the first one is this. Who is helping me grow in my faith? Can you name them? Second is like it. Who am I helping to grow in their faith? Can you name them? The third is this, how am I discovering and living into my God-given purpose? Maybe the deeper question is, do you know that you have a purpose beyond the here and now? And then the fourth question on here is, how am I sharing the hope in Christ with others? We put these before each of us every week. Those are both 
personal and as well as corporate way of reflecting on are we living into and are we moving in toward the direction of the vision that God has given us as a community of faith. And so over the next four weeks, we want to delve into these questions and we want to delve into God's word and what God's word has to say to us about these reflective questions. And I want to start with the last one today, the one related to hope. Hope. And to do that, I want us to turn to to Peter. And y'all know I'm a big fan of Paul. Um, but I was looking back, our, our small group that meets on Saturday morning, we started in First Peter in April, and we're still not done yet. So I'm starting to dig Peter as much as I dig Paul. And Paul, I mean, Peter has some really rich things to share with us, being an eyewitness of both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And If you recall, he was one of two that after Mary said the unbelievable, proclaimed he is risen and sent them running to the empty tomb to see for themselves. It's Peter, after Pentecost, that went on to begin to preach to the masses. It's Peter that wrote these words, and I want to read for us beginning in his first letter, beginning in verse 3 today. Would you listen in to God's word for us? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I could stop right there. There's a whole lot right there. But let me keep going. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty God, I thank you once again for the privilege of being here in your presence. And I thank you for each and every one streaming in this moment, too, because your presence is not confined by walls. In fact, you blew through the walls of the temple to set up residence in the hearts, in the minds, and in the souls of each and every one who seeks after you and places their faith in your son, Jesus Christ. So, Holy Spirit. May you have your way with us today. Would you just get me out of the way so that you might speak clearly to each of us? So, Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And all the church said, Amen. 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 Hope. I don't know about you, but I I don't know if I could survive without hope. How many of y'all need hope today? I think we all do. In fact, I imagine some of us find ourselves in circumstances that maybe are hopeless rather than hopeful. Some of us find ourselves living in circumstances that are beyond our expectations or what we thought might have happened, and and we find ourselves maybe in a painful season. Maybe you find yourself in a season of uncertainty. There are a lot of things in life that come our way, circumstances that come our way, in particular because we find ourselves in a fallen 
world that can lead us to, to desiring and seeking hope. And, and I don't know about you, but I need a little more hope in my life. I don't think I could live without hope. But not as we commonly think of hope. Can I say that today? Because let me give you what I think most of us think of when we think of hope. I think in many ways we define hope this way or we reduce hope to this. It's a wishful desiring of an outcome that's uncertain to happen. Uncertain to happen. Let me give you an example. There's a slide I want to throw up on the screen. And this was of a, a friend of mine. She has two teenagers. Can we throw it up there? And um, this was a mom, and I, I, was, I loved it. She said, nobody is more full of false hope than a mom who places items on the stairs for her family members to carry up. <laughs> Any parents or grandparents in the room? Can you resonate with this? Is this wishful thinking? You're hopeful to get up the stairs, but does it, ever, does it happen all the time? No, it doesn't. Think about the way that we use hope today. When someone you find out is sick, what do you say? I hope you get to feeling better soon. Any of you ever applied for a job, what do you say? I hope I get this job. Any of y'all football fans, I mean, I'm an Auburn fan. I had hoped for an upset yesterday. Can I get an amen to that? And if you're a bulldog today, you had hoped that you had blown Auburn out of the water, but you didn't either, right? Hope, wishful thinking for an outcome that is uncertain. That's how often we think of hope. We think of it in this way, and the truth of the matter is when we use hope in that way, let's be honest, that kind of hope, it's fleeting. It's a hope that can disappoint us. And it's often a hope that we oftentimes misplace. We, we place it into someone or something that inevitably will not be able to deliver on what we are desiring. Can I get an amen to that? And so that's all too often the way that we think of hope. But that's not, that's not the hope that we find Peter speaking to in our text today. Peter speaks of a living hope. And man, let me tell you, the hope that he's talking about, the hope that we find in our vision statement, the hope that we talk about when we say sharing in hope, this is a very different idea of hope than what we have just discussed. You see, there's a Greek word behind the word hope that we translate as hope, and it's this, it's el peace. Say that with me, el peace. Help peace. It shows up some 50 some odd times in the New Testament alone. And, and Peter repeatedly uses it. Paul uses it. John uses it. Much of the New Testament writers use it. And the definition of El Peace is this an eager, confident expectation. In other words, a complete confidence, a full assurance. Do you see wishful thinking in there? No. You see confidence. You see expectation. You see full assurance. It's something that you can count on. I love the way that the writer of Hebrews uses it. You may be familiar with this. And I want to read it for us today. The writer of Hebrews writes this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This is a very different kind of hope than the way in which we throw around the word hope today. Because here's the deal. 
this kind of hope, the hope that Peter's talking about, the, the L peace, it's not rooted in wishful thinking. Peter makes it very evident for us. It's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's rooted in the reality of what Jesus has done, is doing, and is offering to do for each and every one of us. It's a hope that has forever changed Peter, and it's a hope that can forever change you and I. You see, Peter knows what wishful thinking's like, right? I mean, think about Peter. Think about, think about pre-resurrection Peter. Peter had hoped he could prove Jesus wrong. I'm putting air quotes around hoped. When Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. How'd that work out for him? You know, you know, Peter had wished, he had hoped that Jesus would be the Messiah, that he had hoped he would be the one that would come not to flip the tables there in the temple, but flip the oppressive rule of Rome, right? Only he saw Jesus not even resist arrest and ultimately lay down his life for all of humanity. But Peter was also there when Jesus rose from the grave and began to turn around and redefine what Peter understood of who Christ is and what Christ was about and that Jesus was serious about what he came for. You and me and all of humanity to not only extend his forgiveness, but extend his freedom from sin. His defeat of sin and death brought a hope to Peter that was unshakable. Unshakable. And when you take the Holy Spirit and you put the Holy Spirit in someone like that, watch out, world. And that's exactly what we see in a post-resurrection, a post-Pentecost Peter. And so when he's here talking about a new birth, he's saying, listen to this. I love the way that he writes this. He says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he said Lord, not just Savior. Now, I could spend a lot of time on that. Y'all know I talk about Savior being gumball Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Very different than Lord, Lord of our life. He says, Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, not in our acts, not in anything that we've done, but in everything that God has done for us, in his mercy, he has given, given, Doron, Greek word there, given. Just as we celebrate in the Lord's table, we find it here. He's given us new birth, new life into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you begin to grasp this, when you begin to embrace this, well, it changes everything. And this is a hope quite different than the world knows. And it's a hope the world is hungry for. Can I get an amen? So let me give you three things that I see in this text that speaks to this kind of hope. The first, we've kind of talked about it in the definition. The first is this. In verse 3, we find that this hope is secure. This is a secure hope. It's secure not because of what we've done or could do, but what God has done and is doing. It is through God's mercy that we've been given a new birth. It is secure because it's secured in God, the one who is always yes and amen and fulfills his promises. Can I get an amen to that? is secure but it goes on in verse four and and he writes this and i may have to take my glasses off to read it it says not only has he given us a new birth into jesus christ from the dead resurrection of jesus christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade 
It can never perish, spoil, or fade. In other words, this hope, not only is it secure, it's eternal in its nature. It is something that can never die. It's something that can never spoil. It's something that can never fade because it is eternal in nature. And Daylight say that this is not only death-proof, sin-proof, and fade-proof. It cannot perish. It cannot spoil. It cannot fade. But it's also fail-proof. And it's fail-proof, again, not because of anything we can do or construct or fathom, but because of everything that God has done. And that God's given us, it's eternal in nature. It's rooted in God's acts and his promises, not our own. You know, Paul writes about this to the church in Corinth. And I want to read this to us. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. ruh Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And then he goes on to say this, and listen to this verse. This is verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let me read that to you again. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But... I love it when there's a button scripture, verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have been fallen asleep. You see, Paul gets it that this hope is not just a hope for the here and now. You know, so often people on the outside would look at Christians and say, well, they've got this false hope. They've got this crutch that gets them through this life. This is not about just this life, y'all. This is about all of eternity. This hope transcends the grave because Jesus has already transcended the grave. This is an eternal hope. It's a secure hope. It's an eternal hope. And the last thing is, it's an enduring hope. It's an enduring hope. If you notice what Paul writes here, not Paul, but Peter, he goes back and he, and he says this beginning in verse 5. Well, I'm going to back up halfway through verse 4. It says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That's where it's fail-proof. God's got it for us. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Jesus has already saved those of you that have said faith, believe in him. Can I get an amen? amen? And he's also saving you. That's sanctifying grace. Amen? Amen. And he will save you when he returns and makes all things right. Can I get an amen to that too? You see, there's a present and a future reality to what Christ has done. But he goes on to this. It says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You see, you see, Peter's writing to a group of people that were being persecuted. He was writing to those that had originally been in Jerusalem, that had come to hear and, and believed in Jesus Christ and then got run out of town. They got displaced. They're in different places of community. They're in different ways of living in different parts of the Roman Empire. And they're not quite sure what end is up. And he's writing to these people saying, hey, listen, you have a living hope. And you have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And yes, you might go through trials. But we know who wins in the end. Amen? 
So this hope is secure because it's in God, not us. It's eternal. It's got a long view, not the short view in mind. And it's enduring because it's here for us to carry us through the day. And I love what he writes in the end of this. Because there's an outpouring that happens when you begin to experience this kind of hope. Did you catch it? He says this. Though you have not seen him. Sounds like us, right? Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible joy. Any of y'all sitting next to somebody that oozes joy? You see, that's what happens when you have a living hope. When you begin to embrace a living hope, you begin to ooze joy and people begin to take notice. What is it that Peter says? He goes on in in chapter three and he's talking about persecution. He's talking about living right in the eyes of the world and saying, you know what? People are going to take notice. So be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's within you. What's that hope? It's a living Christ. Because when we profess faith in Christ, we die to self. We die to the world. We die to that false, misplaced hope, that wishful thinking. And we rise with the confidence of a resurrected Lord, Jesus Christ, who will go before us and fight our battles and has already won. We know how the end ends. He wins. And when we know that we know that we know, we begin to ooze joy and people take notice. And they're like, I want what you got. I want what you got. So our vision of sharing the hope-filled life in Christ, in short, sharing in hope, living a purpose for the sake of others. Are we there yet? Are you there yet? Because if you're not... I invite you to sit with someone else around you that perhaps is a little bit further along in their journey than you and say, I want what you got. To begin to unpack that sense of hope that you have that I have yet to grab a hold of. And allow them to share the hope-filled life they have in Christ with you. Would you do that? Don't miss the opportunity that's found there. And for those of us that do, (laughs) watch out, world. You see, we're in a sanctifying grace season. We're not there yet. And yet, we're not there yet. Does that make sense? It's okay to not be there yet. It's about the journey. Are you moving more toward a hope-filled life in Christ rather than a hope filled by the world? And as you do... People are going to take notice of you, of your household, of us as a body of faith. And this community, (laughs) they'll want what we're experiencing. A hope that is secure. A hope that's eternal. And a hope that's enduring and no matter what one faces. Because it's a hope found in Christ, in Christ alone. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, I thank you this morning for your hope. 
I thank you for Peter. I thank you for someone who was there and saw it all. And despite seeing it all, he denied you. And yet you asked him three times, do you love me? And ultimately you asked him again after you rose to follow him, follow me. God, we, we seek to live out that hope. A hope of confidence, a hope of assurance, a hope that is rooted in you and not in the things of this world. So God, wherever we are in our own faith journey this morning, <laughs> I pray that what Peter has written to those in his day would take root in our lives today, that we too could say, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who through his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would take that to heart because it'll change us. And it'll change the way others see us because they'll see you in us. So God, I pray as we continue on this journey as a community of faith and as individuals that we would yield to a move of your Holy Spirit in a mighty and a powerful way beginning with me. Beginning with me and stretching to everyone here. God, that we would be open to a yielding and an infilling of your hope. (laughs) That's like none other. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.